All right, we're back for another episode of No GPS, the second one, to be matter of fact. The first was an introduction to the, the, the No GPS crew, who we are, what we're about, just a little bit about that. Um, so we'll continue to let you know who we are. But in the meantime, in between time, this episode provided to you by the good people at No GPS and Soaker and Shreth West um, will be dedicated to reviewing the latest, uh, four latest um, episodes of the uh, Andor, Andor, uh, the show Andor uh, in the Star Wars um, world. And I am accompanied today by, of course, Mr. Mez. And uh, in the background there, the producer man, Mr. Matthew. So what's up, Mez? How are you doing? Today we are bringing analysis and somewhat of a review of Andor to the good people of podcast land. What is up? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. I just I just finished watching the last uh, episode, so fresh in my mind. Sweet, 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 sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, Andor is really like the gray zone of, you know, the kind of white, black uh, manichaeanism or the, the good and evil, uh, the strictly good and evil, ver- strictly good versus evil um, of like, you know, George, George Lucas's Star Wars as far as, uh, you know, just taking, um, getting influenced by Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, you know what I mean? And I like it. I, li- I like Andor because it's, it's focusing on less monumental events, important um, and somewhat essential, but more important than essential uh, to, to, to one's understanding. So I'm really, I'm really, I'm really liking that. You said important more than essential? Like, what, what do you, what's the difference there? Well, like, the essential parts are, like, everything that we've seen, right? As far as, you know, with, with the big six. Um, and, you know, these are, like, the outliers. These are characters who, you know, it's not Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's not, it's not even, it's not even a Boba Fett type of character. But these are the people in the background. These are the people who do the dirty work. Um, for Star Wars. These are not uh, your valiant white knights or uh, your dark knights of ill repute. These are people who um, do good things and then do bad things in service of a, of a just cause, right? So yeah. there's there's a lot of gray there. So it's, it's, it's these are like so important, but they're not like, it's not like Darth Vader's story, which is like absolutely a cornerstone of Star Wars <laughs> and you know, Obi-Wan and so on and so forth. But I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. But isn't that... Hmm? Yeah. Isn't that this, the the main for for me? George Lucas is it's two parts, anyways. Like one is the what the part you just said, like you know the Manichaean, Sith versus Jedi, light versus evil, you know, lightsaber fights and stuff. And then the other is the Empire stuff, Empire and rebellion, like a ground based rebellion. And throughout forty years, they've been going back and forth. Sometimes they include both of them. Sometimes one and the other and the Joseph Campbell stuff, maybe the mythological stuff that covers over the rebellion stuff is something that Hollywood needs to tell a story. You know, you kind of need the mythology and, uh, you know, whatever the myths are, Rex Riches or Bastard Child, you know, gets raised to the top of the mountain and, uh, you know, see this today, that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, this is the this is the side that I like. <laughs> Told you from from jump. Like when I started watching these movies a few years ago, 
it was Rogue One that made me think, whoa, you can do that? Yeah, you can do that in this world? Okay, this is interesting. And now this one is, Jesus, goodness gracious, doubling down, quadrupling down on that. So I'm loving it, man. No, no, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing and hearing while watching this. Uh, um, there's so much to get into, you know what I mean? Like from, from the first episode um, where uh, Matthew was actually letting me know, know that I think around the same time the show takes place, I might be incorrect in this, um, the year BBY, I forgot the, 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 the number of the year BBY, but... I think it was five. Five? Although, although I don't know what that is. Is that five after yeah. something? Or is that after six six? Order six six? Is yeah, that yeah. what BBY I, I, first I think, Okay. I think so. I think so. So I think Ezra, Ezra from Rebels joins the rebel movement at the same time that um, at the same time that my main man Cassian Andor does. So there is there is a okay. kinda there's a kinda same like uh, yeah, there's a synchronicity there that, you know, should be kinda like watched and if you watch should, rebels hmm? yeah i should sh- shout out rebels as well because that's the most kiddiest show that you can have but it's the closest one to this show because there's episodes in rebels if you remember that are very much like this yeah. you know that give you like just the intricacies of the day-to-day the, the hierarchy on the empire side the bureaucratic side and then on the rebellion side what the things that they have to do and then you know there's an episode where you just follow a drone for like 20 minutes so yeah yeah i'm sorry <laughs> droid not droid. i mean yeah you 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 see saw guerrera in in the form that he kind of takes on in rogue one in rebels uh you see it a bit in clones he, he he's an upstart but he hasn't fully gone you know all the way rogue. The origin, the origin clones. yeah 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 you see him. he loses his sister there right then, yeah yeah his sister dies in that episode, yeah right? which is one of the reasons why he really goes off the rails um, mm-hmm. you, you see, you see Mon Matha, you see the, the creation of the Rebel Alliance or the, yeah, the bringing yeah. together of it. Um, so it's interesting to see it now in, in Andor, uh, in, in the show Andor, right? Just, you know, the, the Rebel Alliance like fully functioning. Um, yeah, so, so I thought it was interesting. And which hmm? the show is shot, it, it treats all of that stuff with the utmost respect and importance. Like, this mm-hmm. is Mon Mothma, you know? Like, she's, she's been waiting to be you know, like a lead in one of these things and like the character. Right. So now you get to see it and see the beginning of it. And um, man, I have to say, this is like, I think this is the best show on TV right now. It's better than, you know, uh, we got the bet that you will, you'll um, <laughs> one day finish Game of Thrones. Oh, gosh. I'm telling you right now, I'm giving you, I'm giving you permission to stop watching Game of Thrones. You got it right here. You don't need All to right. watch it. All right, because I, I was going to let you know, let the cat out the bag that I was probably going to lose that bet. I, I told Sarah the other day, I said, Sarah, I'm probably going to lose that. Oh, okay. She asked me, like, where are you? Where are you on the, in the show? I said, oh, I'm still in the first season. Oh, man. So she, she, I think she's going to come over in like end of November. She's going to come down to Toronto or up to Toronto. Get what you owe her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, but, but trust, this, this show is doing everything that House of Dragons right now is doing. Mm. But um, much more tighter and much more uh, like that scene. I'm, I'm just, cause episode four is fresh in my mind. Not to jump ahead, but that scene where they're walking up the hills once he drops the Andor off with the with the uh, local kind of uh, cell rebel cell leader. Right. You know they're walking up the hill and then they they like 
hit the hit the ground because something is coming over the skies. That shot of the Tie Fighter just zooming by—that's that you you because because you forget you're watching a Star Wars show, but then when it comes, you're like, oh, right, <laughs> watching a Star Wars show. This is awesome. Like yeah. the way they juxtapose, you know, they both both the the drama stuff, the kind of intrigue stuff, and then the the high the highfalutin stuff. Right, 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 right. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's the, you know, like it's Cassian Andor is is he's an intelligence officer. He's 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 a spy. He's he's intriguing in that way. Well, oh, he becomes one, right? Right, right. Not yet. No, not yet, not yet. But because of the things that he's been doing, as far as um, his ability to kind of slip in and out of um, imperial uh, spaces and zones, um, you know, he he gets recruited. But oh, a correction coming through from Mr. Matthew. So BBY stands for Battle Before Yavin. <laughs> It's when uh, Luke first destroys the Death Star. Um, it's counting down like BC. All right, thank you, Matt, for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so this is five years um, leading into that, which means it's also around five years leading into Endor and um, Jin or so when they go to get the, you know, the the, the plans for the Death Star in Rogue One. That's mm-hmm, all around mm-hmm. the same time, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Just leading up to that. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need a timeline. Thank, mm-hmm. thank you, producer Matt. Yeah, yeah. Keep coming through with the facts when we do mess up, which will inevitably happen. So, yo. Um, <laughs> so, what's interesting about episode one to me was, you know, just, just. So, what becomes evident to me is that um, Andor, it, 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 there's a, he, there's a sense of indigeneity to him. He's, he's an indigenous subject. Um, yeah. or he becomes an indigenous subject of the empire, right? So that's that's very interesting to me because he he lives on a planet. They say that um, is essentially uh, there was there was a lot of mining there and it was an environmental disaster, right? Mm-hmm. So this is this sounds very much like what's happening, you know, in current day and times where, um, you know, like there's 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 flows of of people. Um, uh, going from place to place as far as what we would call migrants, but they're not migrants in a sense of how we typically called people migrants, uh, where they would, uh, you know, go for economic reasons and then send money back home and then maybe in, in their mind think that they can go back home. These are people who are fleeing like Andor. Uh, you can never go back to your home because it's it's in, in it's it's not habitable. It's 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 yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's a dead zone. It's a yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. dead zone. Um, even. Um, uh, in episode four, right, where they have that sacred temple or that sacred place by the river, um, or where where a river used to be, um, mm-hmm. right? You see like another dead zone, but people still uh, pilgrim, pilg- uh, do a pilgrimage there uh, once every three years for a holy day. So it's interesting the way that you know they're showing it in this show that you know Andor is coming from an indigenous background. Um, a dead zone, yeah. and I think from his background, it's his his parents do pass away or die because they were protesting against the militarism or the militancy of the Republic, um, the First Republic. Yeah. yeah. So he, I think he joins the Confederacy of Independence Planets. Is what, what was that? Conf- he joins the Confederacy against the the Republic, right? Um, what, is that later on? I Not think earlier show. when he was like a younger. I think like in uh, in the comic books, they detail that. I'm not sure. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. But here in this episode, just the, uh, this last one, mm-hmm. he says that um, he was captured by the Empire and then released under the 
impression that he was fighting the empire, but he was actually fighting other kind of rebel groups, right? And the empire right. was having them face against each other. That was he said he was 16 years old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about the, any like you know alternative like history comics, but yeah. but what you're saying is yeah there was a prior cosmology, mm-hmm. indigenous cosmology that got lost. And all this empire and rebel stuff is happening. It's a dialectic that happens on top of it. Mm. It makes it erases it. And they showed that really well. Because uh, did you notice that everyone in that group was like a teenager? There were not. There were no adults in his uh, planet, his childhood. Yes, that was so interesting. It it had like a. So I, I remember telling. I remember telling Matt. I was like, this has like um, Lord of the Flies kind of vibe to it, right? It's just kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but why? So that. It's, I'm, I'm fine if, and this is what I think, you know, this is what I like about the show. If it never, if it never answers that question, I'm, I would be fine with it because mm-hmm. it makes you think, okay, what happened before? Because we are obviously arriving here after some kind of disaster mm-hmm. And now these kids are fending for themselves. And now we're slowly, it's almost like a, like a Ridley Scott type of alien movie where you, something has happened already and you're slowly uncovering the evidence right. of, or something really bad happened here, you know, beforehand. Right. And by the way, the shout out to the writer, because this is Tony Gilroy, who did like the Born, Born movies, the Born Legacy oh, movies. So that's why right. all these, you know, people in suits talking to each other like for like two minutes, keeping. <laughs> it's like a teleplay almost, right? Yeah. Like yeah. damn, he's, he's, he's uh, the keeps you, uh, keeps you, um, keeps you like watching. But um, so yeah, then the two folks who come. So there's like, uh, they find that vehicle, there's folks who've been uh, poisoned by some kind of yellow powder mm-hmm. or some kind of yellow gas. And he gets saved out of that by, I guess, what turns out to become his uh, mother figure. But the, uh, when I first, what did you think when you first watched it? I thought those were rebels taking him in. You know, oh, okay, yeah. so this is how he joins the rebellion. But now this was just the, the part, this is why the show is so patient. This is the part that comes before all of that. Mm-hmm. So he, she takes him into this kind of life of you know underground I don't, although maybe i don't know maybe i'll have to watch it again maybe there will be some answers but they um they they train him to become a stealer a thief someone who can like you said slip through the uh corporate you know minefields there right in order to have some kind of sense of uh, life for themselves and they steal and, and, and buy and sell and things like that so I don't know. I mean, right. maybe the girl, the, the the woman that he was with, maybe she was part of the re- re- rebellion, right? But mm. he wasn't. Right. I think she was, but he wasn't. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Um, obviously, he gets separated from his sister at that moment when when he's uh, saved, or you can say captured. Um, by yeah, when he's the kid, yeah. Yeah. So, what's interesting to me is is the landscapes that the show takes place in are essentially uh, office parks, um, private spaces securitized by by corporate uh, security forces, and you have uh, and you have corporate mining industry. zones. Yeah, and then you have yeah, yeah. zones of mining, right? Um, you know, the essentially the, the the places that are are less urban and that are, are totally privatized, right? So it kind of gives you a glimpse glimpse of you know our world, but in its most extreme. Um, in its most extreme form of, of what can happen. I mean, so many cities in the world right now are being turned into office parks where, you know, there's just every space is, is for exchange, right? And it's been commoditized 
and mm -hmm. I think I don't know if I don't know what the producers of the show are doing, but it, it, in a sense, it, it, it's showing us what's not just happening to indigenous space, but to urban space, right? Um, where the urban is where that dialectic happens, right? Between empire and rebel. Um, and even that space is being, um, you know, er eroded, right? So it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, critique of the city and of the rural, um, which is, it's, it's, there's, where is the last bastion for the fight for, you know, human survival or human freedom? or human rights right because uh, in office park you don't you don't have a, a place or a space or a voice for anything and in the mining in the in, in um in the places where mining happens uh and and where uh, commercial farming happens they just they've been so securitized now that no forms of uh, rebellion can take place there um so so it's 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 it's, it's, but it's interesting also... mm -hmm. The show, though, in this episode, they show you that that's where the mistakes are made. Mm. So people get lazy. You know, the bureaucracy kind of takes people, right? Puts people like on their back foot, and people say, "Just do what, just do what I told you." You know, that hierarchy of uh, bureaucracy at a, at that kind of corporate level. Just do what I told you. You know, told you. Um, don't don't go further than you've been asked to to, to go. Da da da, and then. The, it takes one kind of overly ambitious tryhard who's had, uh, you know, who's who's kind of ripe for the taking, right? To, to be taken in by the imperial kind of magnet, magnet, you know, that magnet just pulls in a certain kind of person who feels that they've been, um, you know, under, under, yeah, under, appreciated, yeah, not respected. And he, but then he's, but he's also green, uh, green behind the ear. So he, he messes up to the point that the empire hears of it. And to, in this fourth episode, what did you hear? Mm -hmm. Empire comes to the corporate offices and says, "We're taking over." Yeah. You know? <laughs> like you, you've, you've had your little dalliance with the autonomy here. So mm -hmm. that, that I can con uh, connect to today's world as well, because uh, you when know, the state comes in after unbridled they neoliberal, you know, mm -hmm. globalism, multinationalism is taken to. Yeah, now the state is coming into like coming back with a, uh, a, a roar, like raining. coming back with a vengeance. I'm telling you, it's not gonna stop. Exactly. Yeah, you, you guys are messing up too much. But uh, yeah, but that's the. I mean, the whole thing about to go back to the beginning is like, what is Star Wars for you? Like, what is it for you? Like, what is it? My first question was always like, what is Empire for Lucas? When he keeps mm. saying Empire, Empire, who who is he? What's he modeling this after? And his uh, generation could be American Empire, but it could also be. Soviet Union? What is he? Because, because Empire, the the uh, the Empire in Star Wars is always stylized. They act like the the West, but they stylize like the East. Mm. You know, in that first Star Wars movie, they all look like something out of a Soviet Union, uh, you know, infomercial or something. Way they're yeah. dressed, the way everything is. Yeah, kind everything of is, is is drab. Uh, the, even even the the architecture. Right? Yeah, the architecture, yeah, architecture. right? It's, it's it's brutalist. It's 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 it, you don't know what's what every sector looks the same right you're looking at these buildings and they're 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 just so conformist it's it's a, a horror of um modernity that architecture could be turned into that um but yeah so that very that looks very much soviet right very drab and gray so, yeah um, but now i know that for lucas empire i think he generally was of that generation that thought of empire as an american thing Mm. Um, you know, because he came out of the anti-Vietnam kind of, um, you know, 
uh, I guess so. I guess they're baby boomers, <laughs> right? But, you know that generation of uh, hippies and mm-hmm. freedom fighters. Yeah, of a different kind. <laughs> they didn't pick up the gun; they just picked up a some mushroom and paper. Yeah, <laughs> and some mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they started painting. But uh, in a recent talk, I think you should probably link to this um, between Cameron and him. He, they, they do seem to think of empire as an abstract thing that one replaces the other. And historically, we don't learn from the the, the you know the problems of empire. We just keep falling into the next one. Right. So they kind of do transhistoricize the concept. So uh, I don't know. On one hand, it's obvious that he's thinking of the American, the Western Empire. Um, but on another hand, when he really, uh, I think when he really kind of theorizes it in his head, he thinks of it as uh, as an as an idea that we must do away with. And I think that's where he he brings in the idea of the Jedi, and uh, you know the the kind of the more individually based, you know, moral guidance of right and wrong and good versus evil and uh, going inward so that we can, you know, do away with empire period. So I don't know. That's where it goes. I think that's what it is. So, and for me, I mean, I don't know. That's it's like you were saying earlier, uh, going to keep telling you who we are. <laughs> Eritreans of a certain generation, everything about the rebellion and uh, as, as it is depicted in Star Wars reminds me of, of the, you know, post seventies Eritrean, you know, struggle for independence. So, and everything right. like you can almost you can almost like just juxtapose it like just correlate it oh this is like this and this is like that and this is like this you know and it's uh everything even the aesthetic the way they dress we saw in episode four today we saw a black man with a uh, with an ak with kalashnikov in a star wars show that's ridiculous like what does it shoot does it shoot lasers what does it shoot <laughs> you need to ask producer matt like is this the first sighting of an ak in Star Wars, <laughs> Lord have mercy. Yo, I don't know. It might be. You gotta tell us. Like, it, that was that was pretty insane <laughs> My, to see that, right? That and that was, guy, he, yeah. he could, he could, he could, he could, um, you know, he could be a, a Cuban, he could be an Angolan, he could be an Eritrean. <laughs> he, he looked like any one of them. <laughs> right, 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 right. He, he, and he was hostile. He's like, yo, who is this guy? Uh, he's, he's letting them know, like it's, it's, yeah, like I think just the whole aesthetics and even the music, um, in the show. It, sometimes I have to remind myself rem, remind myself that this is a Star Wars show, right? But I think all of that was intentional to 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 because the show was spotlighting different different types of characters who have different types of you know modes of operation, and the the, the it gets a bit more murky. So of course, like you would have somebody who you know was a part of the Born fran- franchise to be involved in this. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, man, he's also paying attention to the Empire side, you know, the, mm-hmm. the what um, David Simon from The Wire calls uh, middle management. Mm. Um, so David Simon, I think that's the same, right? David Simon, yeah. creator of The Wire, The Deuce, um, Trem, uh, what else did he do? Did a bunch of stuff. All of his shows have some, one thing in common, and it's his focus on middle management, the part that gets stretched both downwards and upwards. Mm-hmm. So that you, the, the very idea of agency becomes like a moot point. You know? mm-hmm. to, um, like I guess in a previous time with the Eichmann thing, you know, uh, uh, Adolf Eichmann, mm-hmm. the Nazi uh, officer who, you know, who, whose defense was I was told to do this, right? So he killed, uh, you know, thousands if not hundreds of thousands of Jews and stuff. Mm-hmm. But 
he, you know, he kind of got away or he just kind of did it on, under the auspices of, oh, this is a bureaucratic thing, you know, something comes, uh, an order comes from above and I execute it. So right. you know, it, it kind of confuses the idea of agency responsibility and all that stuff. Though. Mm-hmm. But anywho, yeah, they're paying attention to that too on the, on the imperial side of it and then up and down the hierarchy, like class hierarchy, because Mon Mothma is not, she's not in the mud. Um, so like, there's like worlds of di- of difference, right, between Mon Mothma and uh, Cassian Andor. Like they two com- come from a completely different background, and they're kind of brought together by this by this, uh, yeah, this moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I-, I think that's interesting, middle management, right? Because within the last the last thirty to forty years, um, with the type of globalization that we've seen, with the developments in information technology and you know, just the financialization of the world economy, like, and so, so much has been needed to be managed. Um, we, we've seen a managerial class uh, the world over, you know, develop, um, and then they, they themselves have, have captured the city, right? They're the ones that we call the yuppies, and for those on the black side of town that they call the buppies. Um, we, 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 the, the critique of the yuppie class is always, uh, you know, they're apolitical, they're sterile, they, 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 uh, they're only interested in, you know, very superficial things, right? And I think that with uh, that upstart, that guy who, uh, the bureaucrat, who wants to, you know, go down to, to Ferrex and, and apprehend this, this, uh, this Cassian Andor who, who killed uh, two workers, two corporate workers, like this, you know, it's a, what did he, he says something, he said, um, um, he said that, uh, like, like, we're 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 the first line of defense for the empire, right? So he mm-hmm. kind of takes it up on himself with all of his ambition yeah, yeah, yeah. of because uh, uh, the superiors, the immediate superiors, are keeping yeah. him, you know, within the mundanity of his job, right? So he he, he kind of wants to he, he identifies with something higher than that. So he wants the gusto. So he goes down. He goes to the field. And this guy, now there's skin in the game. Now there's consequences to the decisions you make, right? When you're a bureaucrat, you just make a decision. You don't see the people who it affects. You go along with your life. It has nothing, it has no real consequence for you, right? You just, you live your life with little meaning. It's sterile. You have everything you need, but outside of like real fire and real um, passion, right? And so he goes down there and he tries to but, rile up the men. But who does he meet? But who does he meet when he's down there? A guy who's ready than ever yeah. for the violence. So he's almost like a like, one, like a death. cop who's been. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like the guy he he meets the Scottish guy, oh, the guy yeah, who yeah, basically yeah. speaks for him. You yeah. know, like just finishes his sentences and claps for him. You know, like <laughs> he almost takes him. Yeah, he kind of takes him by the hand, right? He's like. He's almost like a modern-day cop or like a sheriff, like head of a police department who's been, whose hands have been tied, like who wants mm-hmm. to, you know, the, I know these streets, you know, I know how this works. Like, yeah. you know, like this, you have to fight fire with fire and thank goodness that we have someone like you leading us now, right? Where, so he, he's almost like pumping him up with air that he doesn't really, that, that kind of overwhelms him. You know, when you get like hit with a gust of air, when you're like in a fast moving vehicle or something, you can't breathe for a second. Mm-hmm. That's like what he felt like in that that whole third episode, basically, when he was uh, like he, he he knew he was getting closer and closer to the point of no return. Like this is about to end in in gunshots and explosions, and this is gonna get uh, real real ugly. Right. And um, by the way, just shout out to the, the actual quality of the show. That final 
act of episode three, the way it just moved cross-cutting between all these three different characters, him, Andor, fleeing, um, his, uh, I forget her name, his mother figure, crying and alone oh, in the yeah. home. With the music, Mar- Marva? With the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that her name, Marma? Marva? Yeah. She, yeah. Uh, that, the, with the music buildup and the cameras, the, the, the editing, I was like, damn, this is, okay, they're doing something here. This is different. No, that was amazing. I mean, I think it was that episode. I mean, they do it. It's ongoing, but the flashbacks and then the flash forwards and then the synchronicities that, yeah. or wow. the dichronicities that happen where it's like, you know, when he's getting saved off the ship by, you know, Marva and uh, the other the other mm-hmm. guy that she's with, um, the Republic, the, the, the Republic are, is, is coming, right? Republic ships are coming in and, you know, they're flashing forward to the present time of the show. And uh, the the, the, the corporate, twice, right? corporate he's, ships are coming. Yes, moved. twice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so these are two stages in his life that almost fold in on each other. Like if you if you look back on your life, you you especially as an immigrant or a migrant, you you remember like the the touchstone moments are probably those kind of moments when you've been like especially for our generation now, like this generation of migration. Yeah. The most pivotal moments in your life are when someone tells you, get into this car and shut up, or get on this boat, you know, or get on this plane and just pray. You know, just get to, get to the other side. And then, like, they become like these milestones, these uh, new beginnings for your, for the next stage of your life. That was, I, I don't know, man. There, there's so much meticulous stuff happening here. It's just, uh, yeah, very yeah it's, it's it's a lot to sift through it's 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 um it's food it's food for the mind and and, and for for you know staunch uh star wars fans this is but this, let me let me throw this at you then we've talked about this before like as a question hmm. speaking of like the Eritrean rebellion for example like that generation before us in the 70s there were like 12 13 14 15 year old boys leaving their homes right yeah to join the rebellion and we started, i always ask like what makes someone do that? Like, why would you leave your house to, to join? Like, I've always been fascinated by that question. Like, why why do that? Like, people in our, like, this this time around are doing the same thing, but they're going for what our parents think is a suicide mission, which is right. somehow make it to the border and over over to Sudan, to Libya, and over to Mediterranean, like, to literally walk to Europe. Like, to, to our parents, it's ridiculous. But to us, it's just equally as ridiculous to... For, for their generation to pick up and, you know, basically pick up uh, a pair of Congo shoes and live in a dirt and silent, say, you know, shoot guns and stuff. So you're like, well, you think you're probably going to die. Like, yeah. like it's it's, uh, it's a weird, like, cross-generational, impossible question for the other generation to answer. But it's, it's um, I think for our yeah. generation, it's, it's a search for obviously better economic opportunities uh, first and foremost right be able to take care of your family and also to, to just escape to escape danger right um and but like when I, when we look at like our parents generation and we see like like how did you make this decision like nobody told you to do it but to a certain extent somebody did tell them to do it it was the success the the previous generations um their predecessors that were doing the intellectual work. They were having conversations in cafes and in rural hideaways and all kinds of places, right? I could think about um, Gereyesu's Hailu's novel, The Conscript. Um, you know, it was a critique on the Eritrean soldiers who went to Libya, 
right, to help the Italians colonize it, right, after we've been colonized, you know, these soldiers had to do something for a way of life and to live, and it was just trying to understand the complications of that, right, and that, that happens, what, he writes that book maybe in the, the 20s, 30s, it gets published maybe in the 40s or the 50s, I believe, right, so, so these conversations are happening, and then the buildup occurs, and then the 60s and the 70s happen, and things are moving, and you have a lot of people who've been educated, maybe sent abroad, they come back, they have all these new ideas. They were hanging out in London, they were hanging out in um, in Washington, D.C., and, and, and they come back. Then, as, hmm. That has to reach the kid in, you know, Saganethi or Hembirti or whatever, some yeah. rural place, you know, mm-hmm. son of a farmer. Like, because whatever, everything you're saying is almost propping up a generation of kids for ideological capture so you have to get to that kid before the kid understands there's a wide world out there mm-hmm. wider than his farm his parents farm right but but someone has to get to him first or something has to like spark his mind first before the other person comes like it's the same thing with this um the scar the guard character i don't know his name by the way man there's too many names and places and stories around i know i'm, I'm better with marvel I can't I can't remember all of it. But the Skarsgård character is basically offering him like he's telling him everything that you feel, all this anxiety, all this energy that you have pent up. Yeah. Let me redirect it towards something, right? So it's we're kind of seeing right. the evolution of that of that question that I have mm-hmm. in in this in this kind of storytelling, this narrative. Mm-hmm. Because at the very beginning of something you said, he's looking for his sister. So he's, his humanity isn't lost just because he joined the struggle in the, in the long run. The very first thing is on his mind in this show is, I wonder what my family is, I wonder what my sister is, right? And I think a show like Obi-Wan or Boba Fett or any of these other kind of larger-than-life character shows, they would have followed that thread. You know, find the sister. Right. You know, like over six episodes or something. Whereas here, it's just a thing that allows you to understand who Andor is mm-hmm. and that he's human he's not some it's almost like a play on words like he's not an android he's an, his name is Andor you know, he's, not, he's not some he's not a war machine you know it's, it, it give you context for why he's it, he might be viewed as cold and callous in um in, in Rogue One right you know what I mean like he'll he'll kill if he needs to yeah. to kind of close a loop and they show you mm-hmm. yep and they show you him killing two people in the opening scene of this one, but under a completely different, you know, like context, completely different yeah. situation. And um, yeah, just that's the thing. Like you know, when I said a teenager leaves his home, does he do it in spite of his family, his love for his family, or um, is it truly? Un- does he even truly understand love of land and love of nation and love of of his, uh, you know, like pride and, and identity and things like that? Or are these, you know, the easy thing to say is like these kids were uh, taken advantage of. It's Stellan Skarsgård character taken advantage of Andor. Mm, right. Because once you ask that question, you you can just fall on a completely different side of things. You know, it's not it's no longer about the just cause, like you said. But, yeah. Uh, other people using certain folks for for cannon fodder or for uh, winning the ideological battles it's not the third right 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 it's a bit of all of that right like i think for cassian it's interesting because uh it 
the meaning that's given to him by the Rebel Alliance or being a part of that movement, it, it kind of saves him, saves him from the nihilism um, that he was, he was, he was drowning in. Right? It gives him yeah. meaning. It, it, it does something for him. The, the way that when you when you move from a place where you feel like you, you it, everything is stagnant, it's not moving for you, and you finally just leave. You know, you have you have what I think I think was a grand narrative in Rogue One, which is obviously connected to Andor, which is which is hope, right? It's, you're, you're always yeah. searching for a better opportunity and that better opportunity or the possibility of it gives hope. And you, you need that to wake up in the morning, you know? Like, but wait, though, Rogue One ended with, so, okay, let me follow that thread because this is something Hollywood never does. Mm-hmm. As in, in Rogue One, people had to die for hope to live. So there was martyrdom. Right, right. There's one thing that, uh, yeah, Hollywood does not like, or the Western kind of liberal, you know, um, you know, paradigm doesn't like is the idea of martyrdom. That shit scares people, and we were baked in it. <laughs> like growing up in Eritrea, yeah, like everything from martyrs, you know, martyrs days, you know, Matsuat, and it's like this constant thing. It's almost like a they died for you it's it's like yeah, the yeah. secular rep- replacement of of the of the christian text yeah i mean you any know? any person if you're visiting anybody's house especially back in the 90s it's probably more so back then than now you would have pictures of, of martyrs like uh who were in your family all over your house right um it's the number one national i think even more than independence day may 24th since june 20th is the more important uh date mm. um as far as the you know, government is concerned. That's the the messaging is always we, and it's very close by, right? Because it's all everyone's everyone remembers who that person was that died. Right. It's either a parent or an older sibling, may, maybe a grandparent, but mm-hmm. really, not really. Because I don't know. I mean, it would have to have been early, early on. But um, yeah. So that's that's it's weird for me to give this much props to something that's uh owned by disney <laughs> but but it's kind of but it's also kind of my 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 reason i gravitate to this is because it's, if, if they have if they have access to this knowledge then mm-hmm. it gives you i think a reason to re rethink the things you thought you thought you know right, right. <laughs> like, the, the thing is though within the context of you know um those characters being martyred it, he, I think he says it somewhere in Rogue One, um, Cassian. He says like, when he when he joins up with Jin, and he says, "Yo, we're gonna go on this on this mission with you, and we got all these these guys that are, are down the ride, um, you know, men and women who are down the ride to do it." I think what's interesting about that, he says like, "We've we've done so many things, um, so many so many bad things in pursuit of making this cause." Uh, making this cause happen, right? Like continuing it, that if we don't get the chance to do this, in essence, we, we this is a, a re- redeemable thing for us. We know we're going on a suicide mission, but this is gonna mm-hmm. be, this is gonna be our re- redeeming moment. Do you know what I mean? Like it was something obviously romantic about that, um, th- th- but I found that fascinating. But it's how martyrs talk, right? Like we mm-hmm. will be remembered by the, the deed, this impossible deed that we've just uh, right, right, right. pulled off. Eritrea has the same thing in their mid nineties. They used to always point back to a couple of events that were unheard of in the history of military 
you know, uh, military like uh, offensive uh, uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. There was Frankel and then there's the Nado is, mm-hmm. and there was this Battle one the they even wrote him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was another one that was the airport, Smara Airport one. I think it was called Operation Operation something. They wrote a book about it. There, there was a lot of talk around that book in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and they always, but that's the thing. You get to once you reach that moment. That, you know that May twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one moment. Now you get to write backwards, right, retroactively, and say, "This is what led to this, and this is what led to this, and this is what led to this." So now they gain importance retroactively. Right, right, right. At the time, you don't know that. You just go for, for what you've been told, because the general told the major, and the major told the, I don't know actually I don't know the hierarchies, but you know, yeah, yeah. all the way down to the foot soldier. Right. They they go uh, they go and fulfill their duties, and then. It, some someone at the end of it has to look back and sit and kind of write it down and and or, or tell the st- the story and say uh, this is and and gain meaning out of it right now now it's meaningful right right um, do, do you remember i think in the 90s it was it was really prevalent the theater culture in Eritrea, right they were really t- retelling all those kinds of stories it was really big they had those troops just going all over the country and they would be telling these tales these stories i remember when i was in yeah, ideological education, political education, ideological right, capture, right. I guess. Right, right, right. Yeah. It made a made a boogeyman out of the dug, which they kind of were, but uh, it, it worked. Uh, I was going to say one thing I want to think to touch on. The Skarsgård character, when he's recruiting him, mm-hmm. he tells him, because what does Andor tell him? It's like, I already joined your little you know, rebellion and what we did when we found out that we were just fighting each other. Right. And um, Skarsgård knew more about him. He said, uh, "You didn't leave. You, you, or what did he say? You didn't. You didn't leave. Can uh, I? Yeah. Like you, you escaped. Like he fled. Mm-hmm. When he was, when he was there, he actually fled the situation. He didn't. Um, he didn't fight in it, or he didn't really. Oh, when he it. was fighting. Okay, yeah, yeah. When he was fighting in the, the rebellion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like when he was imprisoned and and then mm-hmm. let out to fight, but." And, and the way he looked at him was almost like with shame. Like, you know, he just mm-hmm. he kind of... And that's kind of like well, the other essential yeah. no, that's interesting about... because he's, he's looked at yeah. as kind of like as a mercenary uh, in the beginning more so than like as a rebel, right? And that's how he's kind of looking at him like you just, you know, a guy paid for hire. That's why he's paying him on the mission that he put him on to steal the payroll, okay. right? Because he tells her he's disposable mm-hmm. after when, he, when he's still in the in the... In the and the and the ship. Yeah. Remember here when he was briefing the the woman, mm-hmm. and she says and she asked him the question, "What if he's the one who was the problem when the shit goes goes wrong?" And he tells her, "That's why we paid him. He's disposable." Right. So he's playing everyone against each other. So that's that's what I mean. There's like a sense of you, if for this all to work, you have to be in the dark about your own fate, and you have to like kind of make a choice. And but but. Just before I forget the thread, because when he asks, when he tells him that you fled and you weren't really taking part in the the rebellion, mm-hmm. he looks up in shame. But one of his comebacks is like, you know, what's more important is eating and living and having a good life. Like, I think that's what he says. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says to him. Yeah. Um, and he tells him, obviously, you know, like, how long are you gonna live like that? You know, taking a little carving. 
at a time until there's nothing left why don't you just really stick it to them so you can live for yourself you know that's kind of the the nationalist gambit right it's like stick up for yourself see it through it's gonna be the hardest shit you ever did in your life but then you get to live for yourself as opposed to now where you live day by day and count your food and your living expenses pay your rent and you know the, the that's kind of the other existential question of the post to the Eritrean in the 70s you left your home to either join the rebellion or to, to make it to Sudan right to right. become an immigrant in another country mm-hmm. and maybe then forever return so that's kind of like here you see it right here in this conversation Andor could have been both but right now he's doing neither he's just kind of going being a little like a little vagrant right. you know right, right. he's obviously talented at certain things he has the he has something that that scars guard sees that this is a useful person um anyway this makes me think about the whole picture yeah there's something obviously machiavellian about andor and i think that, that that's interesting because he's he's an intelligence officer he i mean he becomes one becomes a, a top spy in machiavellian well um he he, he in rogue one no no not not well I mean, the way that he's able to just... I don't, I don't see him as a wheeling and dealing guy. To me, he's just a young, the guy that like type, you know, like, he has skills, like street level skills. Yeah. You know, he, he knows how to hide and, and you know, to do all the spy craft stuff. He's kind of made for that. And he has a certain, what's the word, like, uh, um, um, uh, stubbornness, I guess. Yeah. You know? Like if if you tell him you can't do something, he'll he'll try and go and do it. But um, mm-hmm. and he has some kind of hatred in his heart for something he's been wronged when you know by when he was a child that he that he's still carrying with himself. So that's like perfect mm-hmm. for. I don't think he's my. I don't think he's a wheeling dealing type in a teacher. Well, then then I'm using the wrong phrase. What I mean by that is there's there's like 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 I was mentioning earlier. There's a cold and callousness to him. You know, as somebody who looks at the information that they get. Um, as a spy and an understanding and knowing that I, I have to close this loop, I have to close this loose end, I have to do all these types of things that might mm-hmm. require me to use a level of violence that I wouldn't want to use, but in the service of the rebellion, I'm going to have to do this in the service of finding my sister, I'll have to do this, right? And I think what's interesting about that is that he's a peripheral character, he's in that gray zone, like I was mentioning earlier. And it's interesting just like, because just like the, mm-hmm. the the Karn guy is right, the the corporate security guy. He's it's also exactly. kind of gray zone. Exactly. Exactly. Where yeah. So, like when you parallel. when you contrast or you you kind of juxtapose the positions of Mon Matha and and Andor, what's happened now, at least in in, in the world that we live in, in, a lot of times in 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 different nations now. What happens is the person who's actually in the in the in the central seat of command, you know, uh, the leader is actually a character more like Andor than like Mon Matha now. You know what I mean? That's why I think he's such a fascinating character to study because looking at him in his own psychology, you might be able to understand these characters like like a Putin, like a Ami Abi Ahmed, like you know what I'm saying? These are all intelligence officers. They come from that world, and. You know, oh, these guys are the guys who didn't die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. That's I don't know if you saw the Black Panther trailer today. Came out today. No, I didn't. Oh, 
There's an opening line that Namor says, "Broken people make the best leaders." Wow. I don't. I I don't I I don't agree with that because that's like it goes against the, the Fanonian idea that the very people who fought tooth and nail and put their life on the line um, to win the nation are the very the very people who on the on on the morning of independence have to step away step aside right because right, they are right. they can't lead they are, yeah. they're literally damaged at an existential level they they it's, can't. Yeah, that's why Moses never goes to the promised land, right? That's why (laughs) it's all there. It's it's in myth, it's in religious text, and you'll find it in revolutionary text now. They're informing you the ones who got you your freedom um, shouldn't be the ones, um, you know, leading you when you get that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how they meant they'll they'll see it out in the, the new Panther movie, but that's basically, um. That, that's that's what it is, right? Some of these people, they they played the game that Skarsgård is playing, and they made it all the way to uh, to see, you know, post Berlin Wall, and now they're right. leading countries. But that, that's what they were dreaming about when they were out there fighting. They're like, "Yo, I have a right to this. I put down. I put in work. You know what I'm saying? I did a lot to get here. I'm just gonna give it to you, a civilian." Right? You didn't earn it. Like, this is a Spartan mentality, right? Like, I put, you got to put in blood to, to get the seat and the throne, right? And that's how it is in Eritrea yeah. Ethiopia. That's yeah. how it's always been. Nobody respects a leader who was never in the field. That's just what it is. <laughs> that's just how it is. And even to this day. Even, even till this day. Even till this yeah. day. Yeah. What happens then? Well, I guess what, you, what happens today, what you see today is what happens when uh, you, you went for a paradigm shift, right? You wanted to bring down western capitalism but all you got was the uh, i guess the consolation prize of your own state your own nation state with your own flag being raised at uh, new york's in new york city so i i think that so there's this weird and or well and or and or, <laughs> and or situation with uh, where you have the story of cuba but it's and, and story of and of venezuela and Eritrea and you know a couple other countries that are that are out there were kind of just stuck right and they're kind of going in retrograde well I don't know but that's the thing they also do so much stuff um, yeah. within w- within a particular pr- pressure it's like they're in a pressure bubble you know the, the West is right on their doorstep constantly mm-hmm. the, 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 the 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 two the, the bilateral situation doesn't doesn't exist uh, the, the other side is down now so they have to build it up again. So there's there have, there's a lot of tyranny that happens in, in the meantime. That's what I'm what I mean. Right, right, right. Good, because they're in their own kind of silos where where in a sense you know you know certain things are are are, are permissible and happen. But like, I think what's interesting is that um, like when you get when you get boxed in like that, right? And in, in our viewpoint now, living out here, and it was my it was my experience too, at least to a certain extent when I when I when I was. When I went out to live in Eritrea in 99, 2000, like, I felt like the whole, wor- whole world was passing by me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the idea that you get is that those kinds of countries like Cuba, Eritrea, Venezuela, so on and so forth, I'm not going to say North Korea, um, they, they, we look at them as like... Iran. <laughs> yeah, we look at them as archaic, as culturally, you know, irrelevant, right? And... That's the experience you have when you're there. That also makes you want to get the hell out, right? I want to be where it's happening. 
I want to be where things are but, moving. But, but that seed gets put into you. Like, that's the seed. That's the same seed that Andor tells him when he says, you know, the more important thing is you have food to eat. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, to you know to live. I forget that. I, I wish we had the, uh, the dialogue in front of us. But he he says that to him, right? That kind of thought, which is nothing. It's not. It's not problematic. It's just. Um, it's that kind of thinking is what then turns into the seed of like where you start to think as a progressivist um, in terms of the new thing, you know, like you you associate um, um, the, the good in things or the, the, the morally good and the ethically uh, progressive with what's the most latest, the latest thing on the block, basically. So you be, in a way, you, you, you kind of prime for being a technophile uh, kind of liberal demo- uh, progressivist where and it's general you have this you adopt this generational ego where everything if it's not today if it's not modern if it's not new if it's not straight out of uh, an amazon package yeah <laughs> then it's not that it's not good it's, it's, it's right, not right. holy it's neomania it, it must be backwards yeah it's it is a kind of neomania yeah. yeah there's like this cutting edge thing where everything kind of that's because that's what the liberal order does. It's ne- liberalism, neoliberalism, technology, capitalism, yeah, um, and this kind of this bourgeois consciousness. They all inter, all mix into becoming one kind of uh, kind of form of consciousness that's far too. Like if if Andor was allowed to live from that mm-hmm. moment on, and mm-hmm. if he had the opportunity, if he ended up in Coruscant and had yeah. a good life. <laughs> Working in antique gallery like the guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, antique gallery. Hold up, that's interesting, right? Because that was, was an antique I was, gallery. Yeah. I was going to ask you a question about that. I was going to say we're bombarded with constant newness, right? All the time, new characters, new people, new shows, new products, new services, and you know the whole thing. Um, yeah, you, do you think? Yeah. Do you think that that is the reason why nostalgia, nostalgia has <clears> been a big thing, right? Whether it's vapor vaporware or or what have you like like nostalgia culture has come back wave yeah like sorry 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 vapor wave um and all of that like i think that's interesting to me because we've produced so much right because it's like it's like when you when you eat too much sugar or something you feel bad right so now you so you um you you bloated with new stuff Mm -hmm. and you feel like okay this is too meaning that the meaning of it becomes it's harder to get to, to get meaning out of things right. or it only lasts for just so long so you so you pine for the older days and where things um, you know but that's the thing but, but that's even that is nostalgia i think nostalgia is the capitalist way of dealing with the past now, that's what nostalgia is it's dangerous it's you don't really deal with the past you just deal with a version of it that's that you can well, that that's the what the nationalisms and, and nationalisms and the populisms of our day now are are that's how they're rousing people right that's how they're getting this remember the good old days you remember everything was simple <laughs> you know a family god and a nation that's it right like they they, they <laughs> you know they're like we're against ideology um and when those th- times come when those mm-hmm. times come it, that's usually the the in-between conjuncture where the 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 present is bombarded with a version of the old right. which gives the the uh, person in power a an opportunity to recreate the, the present in their own you know in their own kind of in their own um plan or whatever you know their, their own future mm-hmm. future um, how they how their future vision 
right, right. So that's what makes this moment dangerous. By the way, there are some people. And this is my goes back to my point. But, but anywho, that um, I forget what I was gonna say. The the thing before. Um, the the thing before um, I was saying about uh, the, um, the 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 vaporwave thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, we just kind of we kind of primed to think that way now. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, the thing about, of course, I wanna you know I always joke about we wait for the next PlayStation to drop. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of like my thing. You you've already become a neoliberal, a subject who's captivated and captured by the neoliberal technophile um, kind of Western kind of ideal. So you don't fight real. You you, you don't you, you're so far away from it. I don't even think you should touch it. You should watch TV shows, really. <laughs> I, don't right, think, right. I don't think I don't think you you, you should. You, this is like a it's a different um, paradigm that you're at. So the, the, what I was going to say is, is go go ahead go ahead. George, the yeah, the, the question at George for what I said earlier is what what is Empire for George Lucas? A lot of I've heard people from this show, some actors apparently, one of the actors, uh, describe uh, the Empire describe the show as dealing with Trump's America. Oh, so for okay. some people, the empire is Trump's America, really? and which makes me think then, have we reached the point where empire has you know split in two because you know all the, the 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 polarities have kind of stretched to the point where they've kind of been cut in half. So now America is forced to face itself. Mm. You know, it's like a, an empire looking at it at itself. Yeah, and uh, is that is that a good thing? I don't know. There's a lot. I know a lot of people on the left who like that idea because it's kind of like the next stage of empire you know starts to eat itself eat, eat itself right right the end of colonization the what i uh we'll, we'll talk about that i know there were episodes but the midwesternification of the world and uh yeah it's part of this what we're saying you know like the rise of nation nationalism and you know the good old days versus uh, the, the the kind of the corporate management class mm-hmm. that had perfected governance under Tony Blair and Bill Clinton and what have you like the you know the third way yeah like these these people are now at at, at each other's throats right mm-hmm. and all this you know unorganized populism is flowing out of it and right, right, right. everyone's got their own phone right now <laughs> everyone's being targeted at a, you know it's getting a little bit of it at, at their own at their own Everybody has got their own phone and everybody's looking for a scapegoat. Nobody wants to look in a mirror. And uh, endocolonization makes it easier for people to not look in the mirror, right? Because you internalize it, but you only internalize it to look at your wounds and, and, and who are those that are inflicting them, right? We never see them as, as self-induced. You just or, pick your or favorite orator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you pick your favorite speaker, public right. speaker, whoever that is. Snake oil salesmen, and they are out there in, in an abundance. And if you want an excuse... Oh, they're there to give it to you. <laughs> they got it all. It's a marketplace of excuses that they want to give you, right? And um, exactly. that's why it's like do do the work, right? Like that that um that line that you said from um from Luke, right? Where you said like yeah, be you better. Again? Yeah, be better, right? Like go and do some some. Do the work, work was from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> right, 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 right. But um, but the the yeah the sentiment is from yeah, be better, Luke, because the. I don't know. Maybe Matt knows where that game is from. Did, I, did you? You should have to show him that clip, because it, it has two. Of my favorite things about Star Wars is, is the the the, the rebel the rebellion side, mm-hmm. but then also the kind of working on yourself 
be a better person side. Right. And in this clip, it's Luke who 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 speaks to this. I forget who. I don't know who the guy is. He's some some um, some some member of uh, maybe he's a maybe he's an upstart Jedi. I don't know. No, I think he was uh, he was someone... he was he was doing something and he, and, and he thought that Luke was going to re- recruit him for the re- rebellion, right? And he's like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Yeah, but he said it with kind of, because Luke set it up so for him to think that. So he's like, "Oh, you mean the rebellion?" And he really had his eyes, you know, his eyes widened. Oh, okay, so there's purpose in that thing. And Luke tells him, "No, you yourself, you have to look inside yourself and be better. And uh, before you even choose rebellion or not rebellion, like you have to work on yourself." Right. And um, it's the way of yeah, the mystic, right? It's the way, and it's the way to mystic. And I think that that goes perfectly with the question I was going to ask you before, right? It was, it was like. Was was Walter Benjamin right when he said that the best way that you can combat capital and capitalism is is through the work of the connoisseur, right? You're you're sifting through products that have 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 went past their life cycle, and you're looking for meaning inside of that, and you're cultivating it, and you're managing it, and you're you're upkeeping it, right? It's it's you're not, it's you're giving it a second and a third and a fourth life, right? Like. That, like that's, that's what we're doing now, right? But you have that's and you're taking an inventory. You're looking at at you're looking at something that's been passed, right? You're not trying to make yeah. something new. It's older, and you, in in essence, are when you're looking at yourself, you're always always looking at older parts of yourself, right? And yeah. and that's that's what we need. That's what that's what's needed now. That's where be better, right? Do the work is all about. Um, don't look for a scapegoat. Yeah, it's always an, look an at yourself. interior process. Yeah, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. take a look at yourself, like Guru said. Take a look hey. at yourself. Take exactly. one big look. Take a look at yourself. But um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's um, yeah. You'll have to remind me of that Benjamin text because that's, I know, I know he talks about being Always. a Flanora, which I hate. But um, <laughs> this, this idea that you just presented. Well, that's 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 kind of that's kind of I think that to a certain extent. Maybe un- unintentionally kind of influenced the whole idea behind no GPS dot FM. Um, you know <laughs> what I mean? My, my issue <laughs> with the Flanorism, not to go off in a tangent, but Benjamin's Flanorism, as adopted by the Afropolitan cosmopolitan diaspora <laughs> here, yeah, yeah. is applied on their own cities. These these Negroes walk around London and Paris like they're doing something. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we we can link that podcast that we did. So Take long a look ago. at yourself. Yeah, take a look at yourself and see what I see. Who said that? Somebody said that. But um, yeah, like it's 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 interesting, right? I think um, yeah, one has to become a connoisseur of themselves. They have to look back at themselves, and in a set, in, in essence, um, you know, everything from the past is not reusable or good, but the parts that are, apply that. You know what I mean? It's been around for 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 a while, an idea, a product, or a thing, and if it's still working then use it right like it's like i still have my phone i've had since since i bought it in 2017 it's like five years now i'm gonna have to get a new one because obviously now it's like the wear and tear is is, is taking a toll on it but i was like why should i get a new one if it's working perfectly do you know what i mean like i get it i don't look cool i don't look cool i'm at a restaurant or i'm somewhere like you're you new on this <laughs> you, you you're a step behind everybody else yeah that's the thing it's that's part of um that's what it does, you know. It, uh, that's the moment you're in. Yeah. Keep you can't up with go the back Joneses. Physically. Keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. Keep yeah. Right now you're not a Jones. 
You're something else. I'm a techly. You're, you're Richard. <laughs> I'm a techly. I'm a techly. <laughs> I'm a metal one. <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 interesting. All right, all right. So, um, is there anything else to say on these first four? Oh, what I thought was interesting too is, um, you know, when they went to Aldani, the the mm. the the natives of the planet, right? They they weren't living where they traditionally were living. They were all huddled up. Um, obviously by the Empire to live in an enterprise zone an enterprise zone immediately I made the connection to the economic zones the special economic zones that um, wait, 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 remind me in Aldani you mean yeah where, like the, so, where Andor is now yeah 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 in Aldani so um, I guess it's an enterprise zone because that's uh, where did, did all they the... show us any people living there I no no no, just, no, uh... no not yet not yet but they oh, talked okay. about it but like like Andor right. Andor himself in in Ferex lives in a free trade zone right <laughs> he lives in a it's called a free trade zone um so this <laughs> this all reminds me of this developmental talk develop the developmentalism that of the last 40 to 50 uh, post world war ii right um where yeah. you these small farm small business holders small um farms holders uh right they get they get their their land uh, either taken away from them by through violence or they get bought out on the cheap and those people they move to the cities and and those are the ones who who are especially if they were they were especially targeting women um to work in these economic zones for whatever reason and mm -hmm. it would get them get them in the economic zones and then from there they would go to the city and they would be the the, the breadwinners of their family and then eventually those would be the ones who would be leaving and going to places like Canada, the U.S., England, the Netherlands, so on and so forth, um, right? But it's 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 you get uprooted and then you get re-educated in this enterprise zone, this um, this special economic zone, right? You get all kinds of things introduced to you. We know people, um, you 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 uh, American movies, you know what I mean? Um, music, all those different cultural forms. You can't ever go back to what you were before. Right. Like you, 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 you yeah. kind of look at your country and I've met these people. Um, I've met these people in my own travels. Right. They 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 kind of they, des they despise their countrymen because they're not elevated in Western tastes like they are. Right. They're too local. <laughs> they're too they're, they're too provincial in their tastes. Um, so I thought, I thought that. that was, yeah. So I, th I thought that was rather interesting um, because it just tied in with the, the kind of development that's been happening he, i remember him saying in this last episode that there's less and less people coming for this uh eclipse kind of thing this uh this right. um, holy uh, holy holy day right because mm -hmm. of the empire like spreading them out and stuff like that mm -hmm. um, and the beliefs change they, they've been around other people other things yeah but, but it's like what you said the the, the woman says um that aldani is not too close to any place but also not wow. too far away anyway I don't know, man. This I feel like I listen. I listened to an interview with Tony Gilroy, the showrunner. Yeah, he made it seem like they arrived when they arrived to shoot this thing. They were actually they had they had their scripts and everything, but not everything was laid out. They still didn't know how many episodes is gonna be in this and the third, and they all had to like, okay, let's get started. Let's let's do this on the go, kind of thing, right? It's very much like a Disney production would be. Um, everything is. They have all the all the resources, but it's all industrial. You know, you you work on the go and on to on, on a crazy schedule. Mm -hmm. um, and then the pandemic hit. And then when the mm -hmm. pandemic hit, everybody got stuck in the UK because that's where they're shooting it. 
Oh, oh, this they started doing this before the pandemic. Okay, shit, I didn't know that. Yes, just around the time. That's that's Mm -hmm. when they all gathered here in the UK to do it. Okay. And then all of a sudden, they bunkered up. They rewrote everything. They made sure that they, and then they start hiring actors. That's the reason there's so many British actors here. If you notice, there's a lot of theater actors here, like a lot of kind of um, drama, drama folks, Mm -hmm. people from the you know stage. They they recruited them all here because they were here. They had to choose from this kind of, you know, people who could move from within the UK to the to the studios and stuff. So oh. I think that's when they made this all this stuff happen because there's too much, um, you know, just you know what what does Lucas call it? A lot of poetry. <laughs> there's a lot of synchronicity, a lot of things that just add up really well. Right. It's very well structured and um, yeah, they had they had some time to do and, it for sure. They had time. And it yeah. makes the Star Wars part of it, the nerdy stuff of it, even resonate more because not every time they mention a name of a planet or an event or the thing that makes you think, oh, that thing, it has more weight to it because of what you're seeing, right? I, I don't agree with people who are saying that this is Star Wars for grown-ups because all you're doing is telling on yourself. That means you've been watching it as a kid. <laughs> everything else as if that was yeah. not for you. <laughs> so which one is it, you know? Right, right, right. Um, there is obviously def- a different uh, touch to this. And um, yeah, and I love seeing Coruscant. This is the first time I've seen Coruscant. Oh, wow! The way I always wanted it to be seen. I, I'm, I'm waiting. You know, they always cheat. Like whenever they show Coruscant in, in the yeah. in the real uh, footage, you know, not, mm-hmm. not not animated stuff, live mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. They always cheat a little. They only show you a little alley here, or alley that. But this one is almost Blade Runnery. It's like yeah, it was yep, beautiful. It was. We're beautiful. here, man. New York City with, right, the, right. with the skyline shot from the top. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and then they cross put it cross put it back to the to the muddy area where the rebels are. Right. Like yep. The, the Mon Mothma context and the uh, Andor context. Right. And, and and I think that like um, on another on another level, like Coruscant is like is like a globalist dream, right? It's a it's a it's a it's a planet that's a city or a city that's a planet, right? And he could go both New York ways. City was the entirety of Earth. Yeah. It's, like, sure. it's the Blade Runner thing. And by the way, the show is very Blade Runner. I don't know right. if you noticed that too. Right, right. The yeah, very yeah. opening shot was very Blade Runner. No, for sure. You know, he goes sure. to a strip club and and uh, you know that kind of thing. Anyhow, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. No, no, yeah, no. I, 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 I'd love that. Like to see Coruscant like that. Like when they went to the that antique shop. Um, I was there was there was a certain t- a level of aesthetic satisfaction, right? That just looked, it just looked beautiful. Yeah, it just it's, looked pleasing. Just, just I'm a sucker for that stuff. Like. Uh, <laughs> Have you have you seen the new Blade Runner? The the one with the uh, one from, the sequel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. yeah so that that's it gave me that kind of vibe. It's like, um, yeah, that that's my that's my jam. That's cool. That was cool. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so is there anything else you want to point out to to talk about before we wrap up this thing we call the No GPS Podcast? Just looking looking forward. The next episode is not too far. Behind, hey. uh, you're not too far behind it couple of days and i think I've, uh, they're doing the three episode arcs so how the third episode ended on a big note yeah um i think episode we're building now towards episode six so okay, uh, okay. maybe might be a good idea to do the next part on andor after episode six so we have like a three episode story arc because i think in episode six is when they make their attack on this uh, hmm. imperial base okay 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 Okay, we might just do that. That sounds like a good idea. All right. In the meantime, in between time, be on the lookout for 
more of that good, good stuff, and we'll do something else for you. Might do something sports related, might do something, who knows, music related. <laughs> you never know where the brothers are going to go with it. So, coming at you. One, yeah. one, one for the nerds and one for the jocks. Exactly, exactly. So, we're coming live and at you. Me, Mr. Aaron, Mez, in the spot to be, and the producer man himself, Mr. Matthew. We call him Matt sometimes. All right. Mez, I'll see you okay. soon. Peace. Stay safe.